week, John kicked off a series that we've started called Power of Faith, and he talked about the power of faith expanding our capacity to love. It was a great talk, and it is online via our River website or the app. I highly encourage you to listen to it. And now this week, Charles is going to follow up with that, talk about power of faith for joy. So join me in welcoming Charles. Thank you, Sarah. How are you? How's everyone? It's just uh, interesting, isn't it? It was like 80 degrees a couple of days ago. We're in 40s. Welcome to New York. So after Easter, our family went to Mexico for a week-long break. That was really nice. But it's good to be back, too. So it's uh, good to see you all. We are in this sermon series, as Sarah talked about, Power of Faith. And uh, we're going to talk about joy, because we could all use some joy, don't you think? Especially when, like, a little gloomy like this. Do you consider yourself a joyful person? How many of you feel like, you know, I'm just congenitally joyful person. I just wake up in the morning, and I got a smile on my face. I got spring in my step. I just can't wait to get to that subway. I just love New York. I'm a joyful person. How many of you feel that way? Yes. There's some of us. Yes. That's great. It's less than 5%. (laughs) If you're like me, I could use a little more joy in life. I mean, I just feel like sometimes life can just feel like a grind. How many of you feel like, you know what? I need like three cups of coffee to just get going. I just wake up and I feel grumpy. I don't really want to like get out there. Sometimes I'm really just, I'm not, I'm congenitally down, (laughs) you know? How many of you feel like that? How many of you can relate to that? Oh, come on. Be honest. (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot more of us who are a little bit more. So how many of us could use more joy? Let's put it that way. Okay, so all of us could use more. Yes. So it's an important topic. Now, there's a lot of research that tells us how important it is to have more joy in your life. For example, this is from Harvard. Success does not lead to happiness, but happiness leads to success. Isn't that interesting? Like, we're all, like, focused on success. We got to make it. That's interesting. Like, it gives you a better chance if you got more joy, even with success. And the Bible tells us, Bible tells us, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think this is just such a powerful, important verse from the Bible. Because many people wonder, what is God's will for my life? Right? I mean, have you ever wondered that? I've wondered that a number of times. What is God's will for my life? Well, here it is. Black and white. It doesn't get any more clear. God's will for your life is to have joy and more joy so that you will be rejoicing always. That's powerful, right? On one hand, that's kind of good news. 
You know, God's will for you is not that you would die in Africa as a missionary. That's not what he says. <laughs> he says God's will for you is joy. So that's good news. On the other hand, this can also become kind of a burden. For those of us with faith who've been a Christian for a while, this can kind of, right? It's God's will for me and you, and Christians. God's will. So this can become just one more thing we fail at. This could become one more thing we're sinning. Because, you know, you wake up in the morning, you just don't feel joyful. You are a sinner. You're breaking God's will for your life. Ew, right? I mean, that voice, right? You're breaking God's command. And so as a Christian, you can kind of, this can become an obligation. Gosh darn it, it's God's will. I have to be joyful. I'm going to be joyful. You know, if it kills me, I have to be joyful. It's a command. I'm not going to sin and go to hell. I have to. So what do you think that will, like, turn into? This grim determination to obey God. And joy. And it leads to creepy smile, right? It goes to... Right? That doesn't work so well. That's not so. I mean, that's not going to work. Wouldn't it be a lot easier if joy just flows into you? That it's not like this determined, grim, I'm going to follow God's will. I'm a righteous person. I'm going to be joyful. Well, that doesn't work. And so, wouldn't it be great if just joy just flowed into you, just naturally, supernaturally, from God to us? In fact, Jesus promises this. In the Bible, he says, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. So this is a picture of rivers of living water flowing into you, refreshing you, giving you life, giving you joy. Doesn't that sound good? That's what we need. In fact, our church is called the river because of this verse. It's based on this promise that rivers of living water will flow from God to you if you just believe that Jesus has good things for you. Right? That's what he says. If you, if you believe and come to me, like if you believe I have some good things for you, so if you come to me, it's just good stuff will flow into you if you believe in that, if you have faith. That joy will flow. Life will flow. You will enter this, this zone of flow. Now that's what I want to get in on. Don't you? Isn't that something that anyone would want? That's the promise and power of faith. And that's what made faith so interesting and compelling to me in the first place. I did not grow up Christian. My father was an atheist. My mom was a, a Buddhist. But I began to explore Christianity and I began to have number of interesting experiences and one of the most compelling was this that 
as a teenager, I was just, I was not a very happy teenager. You know, I have a couple of teenage kids, and well, teenage years, you get a little angsty to begin with. But I was really like this one determined little kid. I was just resolute. I was going to be successful. I was just determined to get out there, and, and that helped me. I was got, got me a lot of success, achieved a lot, but what it didn't get me was happiness. You know, I was really not a happy camper. You know, I would get a lot of achievements, but they didn't make me happy. I was just grim, determined, depressed kid. But faith and God helped me become a more joyful person. It cheered me up. And that was very interesting to me. It was very compelling. And faith can help with you, your sense of joy. Uh, and that continued even when life became difficult. You know, like I have this neurological pain 24-7 down my arm, down my leg. There's a lot of pain in my life constantly and so it's really easy to feel down but it is faith that keeps me cheerful faith brings joy so that's why it's interesting there's power in faith that makes it interesting to help you get going that's that's powerful stuff living water flowing in. So I gather everyone is interested in this, right? And tap into that. So let me throw out some practical suggestions on how to tap into that river. If that river is promised, well, how, do you, how do you tap into that? Because a lot of us are feeling like, ah, you know, it's not really like flowing, right? How many of us feel like that's just flowing? It's easy. I don't have to hear this, right? We could use some tips on how do we tap into that. So practical suggestions. First, let's go back to the Jesus' promise. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the promise is, you've got to believe. You've got to have some faith. Faith enough to come to Jesus. Faith enough to say to Jesus, okay, give me some good stuff. Right? And that's all. That's all the condition. If you just believe in Jesus enough to say, I'll come to you and I'll ask for this, this good stuff. It's all, the, all it needs. And so... Faith and belief, river, that's what is required. And so what's blocking that? What stops us? What I find so often is that what comes against this kind of faith and belief that, okay, there's good stuff in you, let me get it. In my experience, what blocks us from this simple condition is oftentimes past hurts past hurts. I have memories of past hurts. Anybody else? 
past hurts uh, and memories of like when people let me down, when life let me down, when God seems to have let me down, those memories stop me from keep on believing, oh, there's good stuff out there for me. And, and it's so easy to like rehash these past hurts. Oh, how could they do this? Oh, how could God let me down? And, and, and those past memories cut against kind of believing that there is good stuff that God has for me. Right? Does that make sense? The past hurts do this. And on one hand, it's really understandable. Everyone does it. I do it. But we got to let the past go. Because the past doesn't exist anymore. And all it can do is just stop us from getting the good stuff that ought to be flowing. The Bible tells us I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. So what is he saying? He's saying, hey, forget the past. Past is done. Let's let that go. And let's look ahead to what's ahead. What's ahead is there's heavenly prize. There's resurrection. There is God. And so whatever faces us, our future is good because there's a good God out there. That's faith, right? Let's face that there's heavenly prize out there for us, ahead for each and every one of us. So let's focus on that and look forward. Let's not get stuck in the past. Don't let regret get in the way. You know, I'm so good at regretting. I am just so good at regrets. I, I, I just rehash the past and I think... If I just zigged back then instead of zagging, you know, this, this back problem, it happened with a skiing accident. If I just didn't go down that slope, then I would remember. I would think, you know, when I was going down, I thought, you know what, I just, it's just not a good idea. I remember thinking that. It's triple black diamond. It's really icy. I haven't skied in a year. This is not a good idea. I should just, you know, go slow. You know, go pizza or something, you know. I remember that, but I didn't. And so I can just beat myself up, right? All that regret. All that regret. All it does is it blocks the flow of living water. Because it leads to, to just not believing. It leads to block of that. God wants to flow into us. It just doesn't do any good. Uh, so, gotta let that go. But of course, it's a lot easier said than done, right? We all know it's not good, but it, it, it's so hard to let it go. It feels impossible not to regret. It's impossible to let the past go. So that's when forgiveness is so important. You know, even forgiving yourself. You know, the cross tells you, you got to forgive everyone, including yourself. You know, it, it's that beating up on yourself. You got to forgive yourself. Forgive the people who hurt you. Forgive and let the past go. And... and and oftentimes, therapy is very helpful. This is why we recommend therapy at this church. 
Because therapy can help you, help you <coughs> deal with this kind of stuff and let it go. You know, it can take some time and it's not answer to everything, but it's helpful. And so if you're interested in stuff like that and you need some guidance, you need some pointers, spiritual direction also is something that's very helpful. Sarah, our pastor here, offers spiritual direction and and we want to be a clear upfront spiritual direction is not a magic bullet. It will not solve all your problems. It just will not. But if you need some pointers and guidance, just where to go, you know, Sarah offers a free spiritual direction at this church. It's a good thing. So take advantage of that. If you're interested, you can just write it on your connection card and we'll get the information out to you on how to get in on that. That's going to be helpful to you move forward anyway getting back to the passage he says let go of the past look forward to what lies ahead but of course looking at what lies ahead can block the flow too right when I think about the future so often what comes is anxiety <laughs> you know and I think about what lies ahead I often do not think about the heavenly prize I think about, oh God, oh God, oh God, you know, I got kids, got church, got back problems, I got financial problems, I got emotional problems, I got anxiety. How many of us can relate to anxiety? Feeling, okay, so I didn't even ask you how many and everybody's raising, yes. Anxiety is everywhere. But see, faith and anxiety don't go together. You cannot have both. You know, there just, there's nothing like anxiety that kills faith. Anxiety is kryptonite to faith. And that's why Jesus commanded, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus talked about anxiety and, and, and fear more than any other topic in the Bible. Do not fear. Do not be anxious. This is a big topic. You know, next to love, I think anxiety faith. This is the biggest topic there is. And so, for those of us interested in growing as a Christian, if you're interested in growing as a mature Christian, this is where it's at. This is how you can tell. Am I getting less anxious or more anxious? Is anxiety driving my life? Did, you know, mature Christianity is not about how much Bible you know and how much you have memorized. Mature Christianity is about how, how much we are really taking Jesus seriously. How much are we following Jesus? That's what faith is about. And if this is the thing, one thing he talked about the most, then hey, this is important. Anxiety. That's what makes us holy in the eyes of God, that we are in the right path. So we got to take it seriously, and that's really convicting and tough for me because 
you know, I know the Bible inside and out. That's not that hard. You just have to read <laughs> and study. But anxiety, my God. I think it's just built into the human condition. Don't you think? To be human is to be anxious. So how do we let that go? How do we get less anxious? How do you be a human being? How do you live in New York City and not deal with anxiety? And I want to tell you today, as much as it seems impossible, I want to tell you it is possible. There is a human example. Not Jesus. That's too much. There is a human example who lived by faith rather than anxiety and gave him a lot of joy. His name is George Mueller. And I want to talk to you about George Mueller today. Because this guy, he's a very interesting person. Because he took care of tens of thousands of orphans in 19th century England. He took care of tens of thousands of orphans on prayer alone. His stories are amazing. Every day he would face problems. You know, he's got an orphanage and he's got no money. The roof would leak. The kids would get hungry. He's got nothing. And so can you imagine the anxiety that he had to face every day, but somehow he managed it all. Not by squeezing out every effort and making it work, you know. Not by having a Rolodex of fundraisers. Not by, you know, doing everything he can. Not with anxiety, not with regret, but with joy and prayer as if wind was at his back. For example, he would run out of food. He was not a very good organizer. You know, his biographies say, all say, on, you know, he started orphan work at his mid-30s, and up to that point, he was just a, he was not good at anything. He was not a very successful person. Couldn't get anything done. And, and, and so he would run out of food, and... And his resolution was, I'm not going to get anxious. I'm not going to just try to solve my problems. I'm going to try to live by faith. So there's this famous story. One day, he just completely ran out of everything. And he had like some kids in front of him. And they were really hungry. And so he got up and said, everyone, let's bow our heads in prayer to say our grace for our meal. And there's nothing. And he said, God, thank you for the food you are going to bring us. Now that redefines grace, doesn't it? Well, can you believe the chutzpah? I mean, this guy's crazy, right? But look at what he's doing. He's, he's thinking, he's not focusing on, oh, we don't have food. What are we going to do? I, I'm just getting so worried. Oh, this is just not working out. Oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? Right? That's what we would do, right? But in faith, 
He believed and looked forward to the heavenly prize. He believed that God would somehow, somewhere, somewhere bring something good to all of them. And so he chose to plant his flag on God's goodness. That he's going to do something good. And in this way, he raised up tens of thousands of orphans. When he died, all of England turned up for his funeral. And he gave him, this kind of life gave him so much joy. He said, the first business of my life is to get my soul happy in God. The secret of all true service is joy in God. So he's not this, this missionary who like, I got to take care of all these orphans. And so, you know, I just bear down and grind it out. And I just do, you know, I, I sleep four hours a day and I, Every waking moment, I'm doing good, and I'm praying, and like this grim guy, he's like this happy soul. He's just happy, 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 because God's doing all this good work for him. And, 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 and God's bringing all the food and, and all that he needs. He just, and all, and his one secret is he just refused to live in anxiety. He chose joy because of faith. And if joy flowed into him. And I'm so inspired by him because, I mean, seriously, he has so many things to be anxious about. Right? I have three kids. And, and, and the anxiety never ceases. It's just every day there's a fresh problem. You know? Right? You parents, don't you agree? Right? He had tens of thousands of kids to take care of. Just the anxiety that would come with that. But he decided to live, base his life on this belief that there is a force in this world, the good God, who's got his back. And that is the basic message of the cross. Message of the cross is that God loves each and every one of us so much that he would die on the cross for us. The Bible tells us the God who gave up his son, would he not give us so much more? Everything that at his disposal. He, he is at work for our good. And if we make that the basis of our life instead of belief of anxiety, which says, oh, look at this problem. It's so big. It will never get better. It's going to kill you. And there's even more problems behind that problem. Oh my gosh, what are you going to do? Right? That's the, that's the message of anxiety that comes at us. That kills the flow of living water. So George Mueller, he just decided, I'm going to ask God for all my problems that causes me anxiety. Whenever he felt anxious, he brought it to God. Every problem he face that would make him anxious he wrote it down on his journal to bring it to God on average so he, he left behind just an extensive record of his worry list and what God did with it on average over 50 years of his living like this in his ministry to the orphans on average three a day. 
three problems a day that he will bring it to God on his prayer journal. And answers that God had brought. Every single one that has somehow God solved. Can you believe it? It's unbelievable. It's like 50,000 prayers answered. Or 50,000 problems solved by God. So that was like a virtual cycle for him. You know, bring it to God, God will solve it, and so, okay, it's working. And he became more and more happy. So let's follow his example, shall we? This is my practical suggestion to you. Write down your problems. Write down whatever makes you anxious. Write him all down instead of just letting it stay here. Put it on the journal somewhere and bring it to God. Later on during worship time, John is going to uh, lead you through uh, that practice right here today. I think that will be very powerful, yeah? Just get in on that, you know? But do it every day, starting today. Make a, a resolve not to just live grim, determined life, but as a, a gesture, as a practice of living by faith, write down your problems. And ask God to help you. See what happens. Sounds good? And let's fix our thoughts on what is going right. Let's not keep looking at what can go wrong. The Bible tells us, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is a very important passage, because what we are good at is, whatever the problem is, (laughs) whatever is wrong with the world, you know, there's Syria, there's North Korea. I mean, if if you run out of problems in your own life, it's so good. We're so good at like cooking up problems, right? We, we, we turn on the news, we read stuff, and there's just no shortage of outrage out there. You know, Kansas governor said something you get so mad about. Or, so we just dwell on all the stuff that's like wrong with this world. Don't you agree? I mean, let's be honest, right? That's not what we are supposed to do. Now, I know some might say, hey, you know, this can sound like denial. There are serious problems in this world. There are serious problems in our life. Yeah, I agree. I'm not saying let's live in denial. What I'm saying is let's not fixate on those problems because that will kill off the river of living waters. That's not what George Mueller did. That's not living by faith. There's a heavenly prize in front of us. Let's focus on that. God said... I will rejoice in doing you good. God, there's a God who rejoices in doing you good. Just think about that for a second. That's positive, isn't it? <laughs> kind of makes you feel a little better. In fact, The Bible tells us that this is the one uniqueness of the God we we worship that no one has seen or heard. A God like you who works good 
for those who wait for you. Right? That's great. That's George Mueller. Let's live like that. I want to live like that. So live with the belief the wind is at your back. Because it's so easy to feel like the wind. It's a headwind. Right? It's a grind. But let's change that mentality. Wind is it our back. And see what happens with that. That's living by faith. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Now some might say, what about hard work? Isn't that just wishful thinking to just think that it'll just get all solved? Look, I know hard work. I value hard work. Got a PhD from MIT. That took some work. Okay? I know hard work. I'm, I'm good at it. I'm good at whenever problems come, just... Work harder, work smarter, work more effectively, just to overcome it. Hey, there's value in that. But I suspect for most of us, that's the only tool in our toolbox. That's the only mode we do. Know what I'm saying? That's what we know how to do, right? I'm here to tell you if that's the only tool in your toolbox, There is no way that you will not live with anxiety and regret. If it's all about you and your hard work, there is just simply no way you will not live by anxiety and regret. Don't you agree? So I'm saying, let's let's not just work harder. Let's work joyfully. Our first business as a Christian, to get our soul happy in God. All true service comes from joy in God, joy flowing through. Let's work joyfully. Even modern research tells you it's joy that leads to success, not success that leads to joy. Are you convinced? Convicted? Shall we live like this? Live by faith? See what happens? Let's invite the living God to flow into our hearts, living water, so that life gets easier. The life isn't just a grind. The life isn't just, oh, this list of problems. Oh my God. George Mueller had 100 times more problems than any of us here. And he lived as if there's no burden whatsoever. It is possible. We don't have tens of thousands of orphans to take care of. It is possible to live rivers of living water flowing in you. There is power in faith. I am so excited about that. That's what I want to get in on. And that's, there's a lot more to talk about in this topic. That's what we're going to talk about throughout this series. How do we get in on that? How do we get in on God flowing life like a river of living water? Amen? Let's pray. God,
Thank you that it's not all grinding, hard work to be a good person. That faith is about experiencing your rivers of living water. Lord, we want that. We want living water to refresh us. Even now, so many of us are just ground down by life in New York City. There are just so many legitimate things to worry about, ground down about. We got difficult jobs. We got difficult bosses. We got difficult lives. We, got, we feel lonely. We have worries about our health, our kids. We have worries that are just out the door. And so many times we can just be just worn down. So we come to you, Jesus. We are worn down, Jesus. You said, if anyone is thirsty, Lord God, we say we are thirsty. We are thirsty. We are worn down. We need we need something that George Mueller had. We need more of that good stuff flowing into us. We need more faith. We need more of the wind at our back where life just starts to solve itself. Where things become easier. That, that everything doesn't become a problem. Everything becomes a solution. Lord God, would you come even now? Living water flow in Jesus' name over each and every one of you. Living water flow so that we would become people of faith, not people of anxiety. People of faith. Shape us. Shape us. Shape us. In Jesus' name. Amen.